Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 32 of Prog Notes. My name is Destin. And I'm Drew. And today we are listening to Land Animal by Bent Knee. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. We hope to educate and inspire you to uncover and learn about progressive rock music. So there are a lot of great, great podcasts out there. So we're very honored that you're with us and we would love to connect with you. So please give us a follow on Instagram and or Facebook. All of these links are in this episode's description. And as always, we want to say thank you to all of our patrons for helping this show and these episodes happen. Right, Drew? Uh, Yeah. Yes. Yes. Bentney is an American art rock slash progressive rock band formed in Boston, Massachusetts in 2009 and Land Animal is their third studio album released June 23rd, 2007. Uh, the band formed at Berkeley College of Music, which is a uh, anybody not living in the United States, a prestigious music school in the United States as a uh, started as a laptop, a laptop project when the guitarist Ben Levin and the pianist slash vocalist Courtney Swain started writing music together and just sharing files over the internet. Uh, The band name comes from the combination of their names being Ben and Courtney, but you take the last part of Courtney and you have Bentney, Bentney, Courtney, Bentney. So, yeah. Side note, though, Ben Levin uh, also has about 10-ish solo albums, and Courtney has four solo albums herself. So uh, that's just to, to say they're very experienced musicians. But going into the rest of the band... Uh, Jessica Kion is the bassist as well as serves backing vocals. She also has a side project as well that's called Justice Cow, if you want to go check that out. Uh, Gavin Wallace Aylesworth is on drums. Chris Baum serves as the uh, violinist as well as backing vocals. And uh, he's also collaborated with people like The Deer Hunter, uh, Leprous, and Richard Henshaw from Haken. And then lastly, we have Mr. Vince Welch. Uh, who is on synthesizers, rhythm guitar, sound design, and serves as the producer of the band. And so, uh, Drew, what did do? Uh, what do people have to say about this record, about Land Animal? So Go this uh, this kind of reminds me of our Chan episode in the sense that it's more recent. So Sir, you're not yeah. going to have like as many ratings. They're not as popular as some like some of the other older groups that we've covered on this uh, on this show, like Rush or Pink Floyd or Genesis or King Crimson or anything like that. Like these guys aren't legends. They're still new. They're relatively new. Yeah. So you don't get as many user ratings. I'll, I'll show what I found. I'll, I'll I'll state what I found. However, the trade off, the, the benefit, is that you do usually get more recent reviews that are better written than just someone's review on a forum. Yeah. And, and they're more, more accessible. accessible. They're more accessible, right? Whereas if I wanted to find a review about what someone thought about Pink Floyd's animals, you know, way back in the day, that's going to be a little bit harder to find. Right. So the benefit is that uh, there are some really well-written reviews about this this record. And I, I was actually very pleased to read them because reading a, a well-written review is just fun. Um, but anyways, Prague Archives. Uh, gives it an aggregate score of 3.84 stars out of 5. And there were only 97 user ratings, as opposed to, again, some of the people, uh, some of the other uh, albums we've reviewed on the show have had thousands. So it's 97 people. Um, It's 31 people, sorry, 31% gave it a perfect score of 5 out of 5. 38% gave it a 4 out of 5. So 69% of people think that it's 
pretty great, right? A four out of five is still pretty great. Something that you would 100% recommend that someone listen to at some point. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, I will read a review that, um, one of the, you know, one of the people wrote on, on Prague archives, uh, you'll like the screen name. His username is a uh, Bruford freak. Uh, oh. He yeah, good. <laughs> he or she, he or she, this person gave it a five out of five. Um, so this was the, the perfect score. Yeah. And I'm just going to read a, a little excerpt from it. It says Boston based many dimensional progressive rockers bent knee are back with their fourth album. This one feels less hurried and far more mature than their previous effort in 2016. Say so. This is a band that is not only clicking on all cylinders. It is composing and playing at such a high level that it often takes many listens to hear all of the band members contributions. That is one reason why this this June release only receives my review posting in November. Um, I like the ending here. Uh, five stars, another masterpiece of truly progressive rock music from these young masters of 21st century art. So there was nice. a lot more to that. I didn't want to go into it because I have a lot of other reviews. Yeah, um, yeah, that's one. That one's referencing an earlier record, and if, if people mm-hmm. haven't heard that, then that's that's not going to connect very well. Well, it touches on something that we'll bring up later. And that you have to listen to this record multiple times. I did. I don't know about you. I know, Destin, for you, you've listened to this for years. And this was yep. my introduction to it. Yep, that's right. Um, for me, it required multiple listens. And I'll touch on that more later. Yeah. Um, the Prague Report gave it a glowing review. Um, and this was written by Craig Ellis Bacon uh, when it came out in June of 2017. Um if you're already in the know about Bentony, we can make this review short and sweet. Land Animal is even better than what you've heard before. Uh, for all other interested parties, here's a more detailed attempt to get you in the know. Um, yeah, I'll just read a couple of excerpts here because this is just a really well-written review, I think. Uh, okay. Bent and knee are rightly labeled as avant-garde and progressive, but note that those designators refer more to a musical attitude than a particular set of sounds and structures. That's, oh, that's good, good because the band's fourth album... That, yeah, he says that's good because the band's fourth album and first for Inside Out Music, um, Land Animal obliterates any attempt to nail their sounds and structures down too firmly as lead vocalist and keyboardist Courtney Swain explained to the Prague report, all six band members have input to the final compositions with individual bits combined with others bits in a manner vaguely reminiscent of a Prague epic, but with far more conciseness. Hmm. The result is a lot of rhythmic changes, but with a very different feel from tech metal, the drums and bass are actually, uh, yeah, drums and bass actually roll through the changes quite smoothly most of the time, while the guitar and vocals punctuate the tempo feints and jukes with with frequently angular and staccato bursts. These are elements of indie rock. Um, there are elements of indie rock, post rock, funk, and electronic ambient, but no one influence takes hold for long before another one comes to the forefront. Yeah. Um, what was it? Read, he, read that read that first sentence again the of what he was talking about initially what was that very sure first but note that said? these designators of avant-garde and progressive um refer more to a musical attitude than a particular set of sounds and structures yeah i love that mm-hmm. i love that that's that is, i will probably i'm gonna probably try and go back to that yeah. when we start talking about the, the music of this there, there are really great phrases in here um Expect the unexpected could well serve as the marketing slogan for this square peg of an album. Thematically, hmm. though, this song rolls out a preliminary template developed across the following nine tracks on Man Animals, encompassing such Heideggerian <laughs> touchstones, it, philosopher, touchstones as anxiety, the solitariness of existence, and the alienating effect of technological modernity. Bentney surprise and delight with unfaltering deftness in their musical handling of these heavy lyrical loads. Mm. Um, 
<laughs> this is great. There are just so many good moments in this review. I have to touch on these because they're so good. I, I know it's, <laughs> this is great. Now if we it. were to match her voice, to talking to the vocal about the vocalist Courtney Swain. If we were to match her voice with its spirit animal, it would have to be a dragon, live, Shoot. high flying, pre- presenting myriad light bending scales, but also possessing a soft underbelly, belly side up, sometimes yep, roaring. Nice. Sometimes roaring flames, but other times softly exhaling vaporous mists. In other words, she will command your attention and hold it fast both on this song and through every serpentine movement of this album's 10 tracks. As a conscientious and measured reviewer, I have no fear of over-enthusing when I say that this is one of the best songs of 2017. I think he's particularly talking about Holy Ghost here. Okay, Um, One of the best songs of 2017 and is deserving of a nomination in the anthem category at the next progressive music awards. Um, I will, I'll stop there. There's so many more moments I had highlighted here, uh, but I, I don't want to keep this too long. There's a lot. Yeah. I mean, when you get, when you get something that's recent and in the net, it's just, you know, more mm-hmm. relative to the time. And, it is, there's a lot and of, this yeah. is a very unique record. Again, we'll touch on that when you and I kind of go into our opinions of it, but there's yeah. a lot to say about this record and there's a lot to take in and there's a lot to analyze. So yep. I'm very excited about yeah. this episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Even though this is it's a new great. record for me, right? I'm, I'm very excited. And it was a, a completely new introduction. Um, that's true. So, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to look through here, see kind of the the best moments of some of these. Um, the, someone wrote a mixed review on Louder Sound. Um, this was written by Alex. Okay, Linham. I'd Linham. like to hear a mixed review of this. See what people think. Um, honestly, I did not find any review that said this isn't good. I did not okay. find any of them. Uh, however, this one did give uh, more personal experiences. So. Um, uh, I think it mentions that sometimes there are some excesses. Um, and he's talking, I think, about the vocalist, actually. Uh, and I actually don't agree with some of the stuff that he says. Uh, but he says, The only criticism that can reasonably be leveled at Bentney is that, unlike the instrumental parts, there's not a lot of subtlety to the vocals on the record. On most of the track, there's a need to have the most technical, high-register vocals at every juncture, and it means there's a lack of dynamic range as a result. In this sense, it's a very quote-unquote music college type of sound where it's as if there's a competition between unseen peers over who is the best musician going on uh, going on out of sight of the listener um and then at the end though he wraps it up and says for all its excesses a record like land animal doesn't arrive very often and bentony are at least pushing to do something novel performing at the peak of their powers to date huh um interesting yeah i would i would disagree with that statement i I find a lot of dynamics in the vocals um yeah it it, her vocals are a lot her vocals are a lot and it actually took me a little bit to get used to yeah um not that i even disliked it to begin with particularly but the more i listened to it the more i appreciated it Um, yeah and i like you just said there's a lot of dynamics on this record with her vocals anyways uh we'll go into that more later but, yeah, um, so Sonic Perspective also gave it a rather praising review um, <laughs> Bitney's sound is hard to pin down eccentric uh, yeah, eccentric pop, art rock avant-garde prog no matter how you yeah, categorize what? it you must include a qualifying adjective to convey the simple message it's unusual yeah. uh, 
That's, um, <laughs> that's pretty I, good. I, I really like, like this. They were describing Terror Bird, which is the opening track. Says, this yep. song demonstrates the band's ability to transition flawlessly between serene and chaotic. Nice. I really enjoyed that. Uh, the moments on Land Animal that sound awkward on first listen are the reasons you listen again and again and inevitably become the sections you appreciate the most. Um, mm. And I don't know if I'm going to step on some of your territory here, Dustin. I know you have more uh, to say about like what, what the band members were saying about this record, but uh, this, this review kind of gave a couple of quotes from some of the members. So the violinist says, we're at this bizarre point in history when our species can almost actively play God. We're getting closer and closer through communication and technology. On the flip side, we still have many primal urges that have yet to evolve. There's a strange balance between our technology and our biology that's tremendously difficult to find. Land Animal explores where those animalistic urges come from and how we can harness and transform them to create a better reality. Hmm. So that's a lot yeah. to take in. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's on the, um, the concept of the record, right? Yes. Sorry. Sort of yeah. What, Those the, were the what this album, the violinist was talking about, Hey, here's what kind of the message of this album is. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was, it's the, uh, what is it? That kind of the, uh, the dichotomy between biology and technology, right? Is that, is that in its simplest form? I think that's what's being said right there. Is that right? Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. Though I will say that's a really interesting quote, and that's why I read it. I will say that that doesn't totally come through in all of the songs. So if you were to say, "Wait, is this a concept album?" My opinion, no. This is not a concept album. No, yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't even say in that. the sense of themes, because you know, I think we even mentioned, I think on the Jethro Tull uh, episode, I could be wrong, but we mentioned that you could, I could even make the argument of saying that even though there's no cohesive storyline, as long as your album has a concept, a theme that is consistently on every single track, even if yeah. you know different subjects, different characters come in, totally different timelines, different universes, whatever the heck. That could still be considered a concept. It's 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 revolving around a central concept. Right. Every um, song doesn't have to flow directly into the right, other one and exactly. be a, you know be this whole like exactly seamless or, piece of music for it to be a concept record. Or it has a big epic on it that the whole kind of album like right. kind of taken over by like exactly like hemispheres. Right. But yeah. um I, I wouldn't even say that this has a a common theme throughout each of the tracks. And I know later on I'll talk about the lyrics some more. Um the lyrics are difficult to analyze. Really yeah, that's are. why I asked you to do that. That's why, I, honestly, because I, I couldn't do all of them. And that's why, right. I mean, I, we, you and I, I think you had said you would want me to do one for every track. And in a sense, yep. I was excited to do that. And then I read this more and more and I was like, it's not that I can't do it. It is difficult. a lot of time. It would take a lot of time because. Bonus episode one day. Yeah, maybe a bonus episode one day. It would take a lot of time to really kind of pin down what they're trying to say here. And I will preface anything with it is very subjective because they're very ambiguous lyrics. They are very much up to the interpretation of the listener. It is yeah. not clear cut. It's not, uh, you know, this person, you know, the boy kicked the ball in the park. It is not that kind of clear cut. Okay. That <laughs> happened. Right. It is. It's, it's some weird stuff. And to be honest, I really enjoy it. I love yeah. how they manipulate language on this record, but I'll be honest, it's not clear cut. So I kind of right. love that, that it's very yeah. interpretive. Sort of that so. ambiguity there is, uh, yeah. is something that's sort of attractive to you. Mm -hmm. That's now, cool. I'll, I know we're about to get into to something that you found, but I will say 
that uh, and I, I I went out of order here, Destin. We decided no, to fine. do this this record because um, I, I wanted to do some more stuff with women in Prague. We had touched on that topic with Stephen Wilson's record. Yeah, we um, did. And he had a guest uh, female vocalist on there for a couple of the tracks. Yep, Nanette. She's, yeah, she's amazing. She's fantastic. And we've had um, other female vocalists on the show. I think honestly, the only other one is Great Gig in the Sky, a Pink Floyd. I'm. I think. I think you're right. I don't think there's any other female. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I mean, or if, if, I mean, in yeah, the the overwhelming majority of episodes and and bands and albums that we've covered on this on the show. I'm literally and scrolling like, through all the episodes that we've done, and yeah, I'm like, no, nope, we have not done else. another female, and, unless and, you want to call James Libri a female. So shoot. <laughs> so. No, and so, uh, you know, we touched on it with Stephen Wilson's record, but that's still Stephen Wilson. It was basically his creation, and he worked with Nanette, but yep. it was his thing. And I was like, you know, we should do some stuff and try to find some women in Prague. And yeah. um, I think we're going to try to do a little bit more of that later, too, because it's it's fascinating. And I really enjoy the female perspective that is brought to this genre that you never, ever see. Um, and so this was a great record to do. We had people in our, our VIP vote on what they wanted to do. And I, I listed a couple of, of female prog bands. Now, unsurprisingly, there's not a lot of them. It was kind of hard to find. But the ones that right. are out there are really, really cool. So uh, we, we had a band uh, called The Millettes. We were going to do an album by them called Preternatural. Um, these were the other the other options. Options, right? yeah. And, and when you and, said VIP, I'm just going to clarify that. That, that sure. means our patrons. Our patrons. Yes. Sorry, yep. our patrons to become a pawn heart, $3 a month. There's our plug. Um, you can vote on albums that we do or topics that we discuss on the show. Link in the uh, description. Link Carry in the on. description. Let's have a real conversation in the comment section, guys. Unreal. Notified. Um, we also did uh, one of the other, the two other options. We have four options total. So Preternatural by the Millettes. Uh, this land animal by Bitney, obviously, which is what we're doing. Um, Light at the Endless Tunnel by Infinian, which is an awesome name. Um, and Trouble with Machines by District 97. Uh, and all these bands had either a female vocalist or uh, other female musicians in the band that were like permanent members. Yeah. Um, not just guest musicians. So uh, right. we we might go back to some of these other groups later on. Um, yeah, it's possible. It's but anyway, possible. I, I mean, it's possible. I'm sorry. <laughs> definitely possible. I'm sorry. Yeah, you had to plug that in there. I, but, I really um, did. Yeah, so I just wanted to preface that and, and say that, that uh, it's really, really cool to see um, women in, in Prague because you just don't get that that often. No, yeah. And in this uh, record, we have two of them. And so yes, we have the, the, bass, the player, bass player as well yep. as the back, uh, who also gives backing vocals, Jessica, and then uh, the lead yes. singer and, and the pianist, keyboard. Courtney yeah. Swain. So uh, I, I love the fact that, that, you know, because most of the time I think it's either you got to have this paramour thing going on where it's like you got the female front and who's just a vocalist, but then the rest of the yeah. band is is guys, right? And uh, that's something I really like about this band is that we have a yes. uh, a female who's also a musician, and then the and then also the lead vocalist is a female as well. I one hundred percent agree. I it's pretty cool. Agree. It's cool. I can to, dig yeah. it. And man, there's something about female bassist that's just really cool. And I'm partial because I'm a bassist, but because you're a bassist, I get it. It's so cool, man. It is. Um, I mean, Annika Nielis is like the jam dude so oh, yeah yeah I mean, for she's, you for the drummer she's insane. yeah she's great emmanuel caplet like they're great they're yeah, great oh, yeah. Drummers. she's phenomenal she's yeah, incredible yeah. but anyway um I, I let me let me throw this in there i wanted to talk mm -hmm. about a point on uh, on vince 
uh, Vince Welch's, uh, as I said before, he's he's a member of the band. He's uh, he plays synthesizers, rhythm, guitar, sound design, and, and serves as the producer uh, and deals with the production for the record uh, or for their records. And so, uh, but one of my favorite aspects of Bentney's music is the production. And uh, you know, I'm coming from a music producer standpoint, like taking that. I just while the combined talent of the band is astounding for one I, I love it each member you know seems to know when to shine when to pull back and but much of this and you can just hear it much of this is, can be attributed to this guy Vince Welch I really love this because in most bands the producer usually serves as an outsider who's brought in to facilitate uh, a, a realization of a band's vision right yeah. it's usually somebody that's like contracted or hired that comes in and, and yes they may work with them over a period of a long time but they're never a member of the band but vince he functions as a full band member he's actively contributing to the songwriting process but also mixing and producing the albums and performing in their live shows in both an instrumentalist and a sound designer and right. so i love that that's something that's incredibly unique to this band i really enjoy uh, in an interview uh, in 2007, the band described Vince's production process as bentneifying the music. And wow. so there's there's a way that he sort of comes in as, and kind of glues everything together. And there's, there's always something amazing about writing music from a production standpoint. This is something I, I when I started learning music, because I was a drummer first, started learning how to produce music and mix music. And then it, you just have a different perspective now when you're approaching songwriting because you know now what's going to fit here. You know, you already know kind of how the puzzle is going to go together, so to speak. But now you know, like this, this piece needs to go here. This wouldn't sound good from a producer standpoint. And sometimes when people write music, you're like, God, that's a lot going on. And for a, you know, then it gets sent off to a producer and like, golly, this is just, I don't know. Like, could you guys take this stuff out or like? You know, most of the time the producer doesn't have that kind of pull of the band to go. You know what? Maybe you shouldn't include this or should change this. And so right. the fact that he's an active process of the songwriting, I think, really helps uh, keep their songs very focused and concise and well done. And to piggyback off of that, there's not a song on this album that is longer than seven minutes. So this whole record's very concise. Um, I think the longest song on here is uh, six minutes and 30 seconds being the fourth track, Inside's End. So, uh, and in the prog world, I mean, that, that's a that's an average song length, I think. Um, and so that's one thing I just wanted to mention. I really enjoy that. That's one of my favorite things about this. But um, I guess I'll go into uh, talking about this review I found, Drew. Yeah. If you're cool with that. I found Absolutely. this review on I found this review online that really summed up my thoughts about this record extremely well, and I wanted to read it and sort of piggyback off the statements that are being said and sort of expound on those with you, Drew. And uh, this review is written by Chris Ingles, um, and it had a lot of really really great things to say about it. I'll just start reading through, and and we'll just pull some stuff out and uh, and sort of talk about our opinions about it as as we go on. And uh, so. Uh, so here, here's what first thing he says here is that Land Animal is a democratic collective indeed. I'm going to go ahead and pause right there. Um, democratic writing process is something that they've used to describe how they've written music. 
And uh, this is something that, you, you know, Drew and I, we, you and I have a, uh, we're quite familiar with this type of process when it comes to writing music, because this is how you and I wrote music in our band. Yeah. That, and, there was never a time where like someone would be like, Hey, here's a song. Can we do this? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, was, it was all thought up simultaneously together. Yep. And if everybody didn't agree on it 100%, then we didn't do it. Mm-hmm. It was never, it was never like a, uh, you know, Oh, two out of three. Oh, I guess, you know, sorry. It was always like, if everybody's not a hundred percent on this, then we're not doing it. And, right. uh, a democratic collective. And that, I love that because it just, uh, shows that the, uh, there's, there's collaboration involved and it shows, and it, it gives every single member a moment or a time to shine in its particular place or fill the space that it needs to fill. And I just really like that. Well, we will talk a little bit more about democratic, uh, writing later on in this episode. Uh, it then goes on to say that this is a band with an eclectic array of musicianship. And if one piece were missing, something unique would be lacking. Again, that's kind of a callback to the democratic writing process. It's not all high drama and furry browed lightning fast notes. Often, Land Animal is tempered with songcraft that infuses a sophisticated pop touch without losing any of its musical muscle. And I really enjoy that that statement mm -hmm. uh, because it does have sort of a uh, – the, the craft of the music is just so focused and it kind of does have sort of a sophisticated pop approach, but it still also delivers hard and doesn't seem cheesy or fake or any of that, anything like that. Um, the review goes on to say that uh, the song Hole, which we uh, listened to earlier, combines stop-start riffing with gentle keyboard touches and Courtney Swain's deceptively sweet melodic pipes. And then it, then it says this, imagine Kate Bush fronting the Mars Volta and you've got a general idea. Hmm. I thought that was funny. Um, continues on, says, likewise, Belly Side Up. I know, Drew, you really enjoy that song. Easily the song with the album's lightest touch gallops along in almost a playful manner despite the imaginative intricate arrangements it's important to note that just because this band met at berkeley there's virtually no aimless instrumental noodling present on this album if that's your thing fine but you'll have to look elsewhere bent knee or bent knee are too tight of a musical unit to drift off in that manner and this is kind of a uh, something that i was talking to you drew about that where we have sort of the uh, an idea of what we expect progressive rock to be because i think most of us came to progressive rock listening to the 70s stuff right and so we grew up listening to the pink floyd the genesis the yes the rush the elp all of that stuff and in those early 70s there was a particular style and sound that was very popular during that period one of those things being long passages i mean let's just think about shine on you crazy diamond for a second or La Villa Strangiato or right. anything off animals, right? Very long passages of music, solos, all kinds of, you know, may maybe some conceptual stuff like, you know, stuff in the wall or uh, stuff like that that's going on. And uh, and that's not the case with this album. And what it, what it says, there's no aimless instrumental noodling present on this album. When I think to the 70s, sorry, I'm rambling here. Feel free to jump in here, Drew, if you want. Um, when I think of the 70s and I think of this, or maybe the 70s and the 80s, and I think of bands that really didn't catch my attention and who are considered progressive rock, it's because of that aimless noodling. You know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah. Like it's it's just like they're just kind of going off and Well, that's why I can't really get into jam bands that much. Yes. Yeah. I I agree. I agree. I can under it, it's cool for like 3 minutes, but then it's just kind of like okay, this person's going to take his solo. Okay, great. All right. Now let's let's carry on with the song. The chord progression's still the same. Okay. But and the soloing, yeah, I I understand, but it's very it's very few and far between that happens where it really really catches me. Um, and I think the number one example would probably comfortably numb. I think that's probably the primary example of how somebody who could really pull that stuff off, like David Gilmore. But those. So how do you feel about jazz? Where like jazz the whole music concept of like classic jazz standards is like you're gonna literally do the same chord progression over and over and over, except now you've got sax taking solo, now you've got piano, now you've got upright bass, now you've got a quick drum solo. Now we're back around. We might do a slightly different refrain, just the you know the main refrain here. Then we're gonna go back to the verse chord progression again, and just have everyone go around and do that again, because that's what a lot of jazz standards do when you see in a lot of jazz yeah. clubs. So how do yeah. you feel about that? I I actually enjoy that, but. There's a there's a difference uh, in tone there. I think. I mean, normally, at least for me, I know this is this could be different for everybody, but for me, when I listen to jazz music, um, I'm not actively listening a lot of the time. Most of the time, it's really just more of a, uh, uh, I guess, a, a sound pillow or whatever. Like it's just something kind of in the background for me. Um, but also, there are uh, multiple instruments. Very, very. I don't know. Uh, at least what I'm currently thinking of off the top of my head, there's not a whole lot of bands that are doing that kind of thing where it's like, Hey, we're going to play a chord progression at least in like prog rock. I mean, jam bands, I think are another thing or something, but when it comes to like, uh, progressive rock bands that were going on in like the seventies or whatever, um, there was not like, Oh, the bass is going to do a solo. Then it's going to go directly into a guitar solo. And then the drums is going to take a solo. And then we're going to come back. Um, I don't, I mean, I can't think of many times. It's usually it's usually a guitar solo, or or a keys solo, like a synth solo. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's usually and it and it'll last like for a long time or what, and then it'll come back or whatever. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, jazz. I mean, that's that's kind of I don't know. I kind of I I listen to that differently than I than I do like a straight rock song. If that makes sense, does that answer your question? Kind of. Okay. I mean, it's how you approach the music and I guess your right. attitude coming into it and all that. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so yeah. Um, I'm just thinking of like, I've heard, I don't know. I've just heard like a lot of records from the seventies that have just a lot of like long passages of synths, long passages of instrumentals and long passages of uh, guitar solos or whatever. And, um, and it just goes on for a little too long and then it'll change to a section or whatever. And then it'll do kind of the, I don't know. I've just, uh, I've heard a lot of that. And that's something that's very kind of takes me out and I get a little bored, frankly. Um, and so, uh, so back to what he was saying here is that virtually no aimless instrumental noodling present on the album. Um, if that's your thing, fine, but you'll have to look elsewhere. And so there is a variety of moments on land animal that, that show a truly skilled sextet, whether it's, the bass's fluid, spidery bass line that runs through these hands, song that we're listening to currently, Wallace's masterful stop-on-a-dime drum fills on the well, or the fact that Swain can go from gentle crooning to angry shouting and back again without ever sounding contrived, as she does on Holy Ghost, um, which goes against the, the thing you were talking about in the review. Right, right. Where the guy was like, 
there's not a whole lot of dynamics. And mm-hmm. I would disagree because I agree with this statement that I mean, within one song she does that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I mean if you're gonna take I something agree. like uh, like Terror Bird and then relate it to something like Boxes, it's like this just that's night and day when it comes to a vocal approach. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that those don't sound similar to me at all from a vocal performance. But uh, continuing on here. Uh, the music on Land Animal often incorporates a theatrical climate. Atmosphere is terribly important on this album. Insides In, one of the album's elegant masterpieces, begins as some sort of a gothic jazz ballad before transforming at the halfway mark into an instrumental set piece that sounds like a weird hybrid of early King Crimson and Brian Eno. The song, which ends with the long, nightmarish drone of what almost sounds like a robotic dinosaur at death's door, becomes something truly terrifying and a glorious example of the kind of eclecticism on display. The title track is also a beautiful dark beast with stuttering Sabbath riffs combining with ethereal keyboard washes before the vocals kick in and the song takes on an elastic tempo of musical theater piece. Of a musical theater piece. Mm-hmm. And so really, I really enjoy all of the, the wording there. Yeah. Uh, this, like I said, this is really describing how I felt about it. And I've listened to this record every, uh, a couple of months. I think I found it a couple of months after it came out. And so, um, continuing on, last last statement that he makes is that uh, Land Animal has been described by the bands themselves as reflecting the balance between technology and biology. This is kind of going back to what you were saying. And uh, on the he, Chris Baum says the violinist on the flip side. We still have those primal urges that have yet to evolve. There's a strange balance between our technology and our biology that's tremendously difficult to find. Land Animal explores where those animalistic urges come from and how we can harness and transform them to create a better better reality, as you said. On Time Deer, the band seems to be acutely aware of the odd coexistence between man and machine. Quote from from that song says, Oh, nasty dog, you're choking on a cog in my time machine. Swain sings drag you along to the times from which we run so you can see what I see. Bentonese music may be challenging, but their sound is varied enough so that no matter what your tastes, you'll likely hear something that you like, and next thing you know, you'll be dragged along for the ride. Land Animal is one thrilling, inspiring, and often terrifying ride. And that's the end of that review. And I really enjoy that, uh, everything that was said there about just the vastness of different textures as well as and the uh, as well as also the the lyrics kind of the uh, simple explanation of the lyrics that they were mentioning um but also just the way that they've approached some of the music and the way that they write and just their song structures and the form is just quite different than uh some of the other stuff that we've may have heard or seen and even i know i was talking about the 70s um, earlier when I'm relating it to that, but even now in the modern sense, in the modern time, I mean, if you listen to something like Hand Cannot Erase by Stephen Wilson, which we did an episode on that record, you know, it's modern prog. It's 100% modern prog, but there's still that that classic callback to those, the synth solos and the guitar solos and those cool textures and the builds and then, the, you know, all of, all of that. And uh, I think there's like two solos and they're not even really solos on this album right they're they're like hooks right you know we're kind of drifting into our opinions on the record here 
Um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and do that. But I, 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 this is an album that my mind would associate more with the term avant-garde than prog rock. But I do yeah. see the overlap. I think it could definitely be considered prog rock, but it's not where my mind goes immediately. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, granted, we've covered Tales of Mystery and Imagination, and I consider that more art rock than prog rock. But again, we talked about on that episode, I think, too, that there's kind of some overlap there. Um, right. So it's all sort of subjective, but there are definitely prog elements on this record for sure. Definitely. I mean, it's progressing. I mean, I, I just think that this is, uh, in my opinion, unique enough to be considered something that is progressive. Uh, yeah, and they show virtuosity throughout yeah. the record too. Oh, 100%. Um, you know, it's not really shoved in your face, uh, but it is absolutely there and it is discernible, I think. Yes. So, um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's great. And I, I think the, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the two areas or the two songs. I think in the solos, I think there's there's one on Belly Side Up and and it's and it's not even it's not even a solo it's it's like it's uh, he's just repeating the the chorus melody and then i think there's also one on the well as well <laughs> whoa i'm sorry that's sorry but i think those are the only two that are uh that are on the record so it's it's a uh, it's a unique collective it, it really is of of songs and uh, a different type of form that maybe some people are not used to, especially if, you know, your favorite bands are, you know, Rush, Pink Floyd, Yes, and Genesis kind of thing, or right. King Crimson or whatever. Uh, this this is going to sound a lot different, but hopefully in a good way, and yeah. uh, which which I enjoy. And so um, I'll end my insanely long uh, monologue here <laughs> with, uh, with, with a quote from Courtney Swain that says this, and I know that this, this is interesting. I, I found this because it goes, it goes actually against something that you said. Um, Courtney Swain says this, she says, it's a really juicy and immediate album with our previous album. Say so. I think it took people a few listens to absorb its themes. That's not the case with land animal, which delivers more instant gratification. And you said that. 100% this, this, disagree. Yeah, you said that this takes a while to get used to. It had, yeah, no, it does. It 100% does. It's not that you can't tell that there's potential and you do want to go back to it, but this is not something that you absolutely digest easily and say, oh, yeah, this is instantly, this is really cool. I can latch onto this. I can latch onto that. Because there are yeah. too many elements to analyze to really see how they're all interplaying with each other to yeah. fully appreciate and just a solitary listen and a single listen. Yeah. There's, I want, I mean, you know, sorry, Courtney, I like this record a lot, but it did, was not instant gratification as you put it. Yeah. And so somebody, how many, how many times did you, did you listen to the record? Mm. You know, I never count. My roommate asked me that. She was like, how many off, how, how often, how many times do you listen to an album before you do an episode? And I'm like, I really don't have a quota. I listen to it in my car all the time. Um, constantly. Uh, and Usually I'll do it once, like all the way through. Um, right. But once or twice. But um, this one? Six that, or seven. Six, six or, or seven. seven. Times. And I think that the third, the third time it sunk in a bit more. And honestly, each successive listen, listen after that, it becomes more enjoyable. Yeah. But it took me a couple times. 
Yeah. Unlike any- Hearts, where I listened Shoot. to that like seven times, and Holy there crap. was never a point in there that I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is this is great. I totally <laughs> get why this is like God's gift to humanity. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my word. Literally God's gift to humanity. That's so good. A masterpiece. I was splattered on the wall. <laughs> Those were some buck wild reviews, man. That was, I love it. That was the best nice. part of the whole episode. <sighs> Haven't listened to that. Go check out that episode. Pond Hearts. Man. Vander, Vander Graf generated. Um, back to bent knee here. But I, I, I do have a question because, you know, for me, I've listened to this record for a very long time. And I honestly can't recall uh, the thoughts that I have when I first listened to it. I know that the first song that immediately grabbed me was Holy Ghost, and um, which is uh, the third track on the record. That was a song that I was immediately like, oh, this is cool. Like, I really like this. And it took the rest of the album a little bit, uh, of a, a little bit longer for me to go through and, uh, and, and fully enjoy. Um, but what was, your, what was your experience like first listening to it uh, as well as when you got to the point where you started enjoying it, what was what was that like? How did how did that transition happen? What was something that you realized or maybe heard that was different from the first to the third? This is the state of mind that I was in. You know what I mean? Like when you're having a bad day and you listen to Courtney Swain going like, "Hey, uh, that's not something you want to hear." <laughs> when you're in the traffic and that guy cuts you off, and then you're also late to this certain event that you're supposed to be at. That's not the music you want to listen to at that point. Um, so I think it was part of it was the state of mind I was in. Um, yeah. you have to approach this in a time where you're going to like actively listen to it. And like I said, I- I'm sorry. I don't see any other way around it where even if I was actively listening to it and a good frame of mind, nothing's stressing me out. I, 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 even if I had been in that, I don't think a first listen would have been like, oh, that was great. I love this record. I'm going to go in and like, like I-, I could listen to this forever and ever because it's so enjoyable. No. Yeah. Uh, not for me. My, it might be your experience. You know, who knows? But for me, I think even if I had been in that perfect state of mind, it still would have taken multiple listens to fully appreciate. Uh, because there aren't really a lot of melodies in here that I'm like, oh, I really dig that melody, or I really like this right here. Um, but you do have to give it particular attention. I mean, crap, just listen to what we're looking at. Listen right now. Yeah, it's pretty eclectic. It's it's very dynamic. Um, so I'm just listening to it right now, and there's a lot to digest. And once you start analyzing those things, oh, man, it's super neat. That yeah. composition is so different, and I really appreciate that. And as you start to kind of anticipate this stuff more and more, you're like, oh, I, I do like this part. I can latch on to this now, and it is yeah. enjoyable. Um, so, I mean, you know, that was, that was my experience is I, I finally got to a point where, um, her voice wasn't as grating per se. And I never, I never particularly disliked it because of the way that it was is again, is when I was, <laughs> I was having a bad day one time when I listened to this record and I was like, I do not want to listen to this album, but I have to for the show. I do not want to listen. <laughs> I was having a bad day, but, it, but I, even then I was aware, I was like, She's an incredibly talented vocalist, and I actually really enjoy, really enjoy her tonal quality. But I will say, it is not the most accessible voice. I love it. I love it. But it's not crazy accessible. 
It's talented. She has range. She can hit these notes, and it's cool. But it's not your typical pop artist vocalist. And I'm not dragging pop artists. They have incredible voices. Um, but uh, she does too. But it is it has a lot of trying to, to say this it has a lot of character to it. Um, it's very intense. It's very intense for a lot of this record. And it seems almost like she's screaming in a way. Yeah. Um, but again, it is dynamic where this is a perfect example. This section right here in yep. Landon where she does, it does get softer. Yeah. But you know, um, I think what I appreciate about this too is it's not overly breathy. There's never a point in this record where she's kind of like jo Jonas Brothers, like yeah, let me just breathe <laughs> and exhale as hard as I can because just because. Why? Why was that? The, why was that the point of reference? What? Jonas why, Brothers? Yeah. Why was that the point of reference? Because <laughs> they were a very popular pop boy band group, Holy and like crap. I noticed a lot of pop artists do that. Well, Holy not just them. Crap. But a lot of female do that too. They're like, yeah. I mean, it just it just jumped from bent knee to Jonas Brothers, just like that, man. Like... Never thought that would happen, <laughs> but it did. Um, oh my gosh! But um, she has a very full voice, and I love it. Um, like I said, I think it's an acquired taste. I could be wrong, but I think it's an acquired taste. Um, it, it's it's it. Once you get behind it. I think it's fantastic and it fits the music perfectly. Um, yeah. So lots of character to it. Um, she can go from a gentle performance like she did now to something like Terror Bird, which is almost like screaming and belting. Oh, or yeah. Like right now. Or like right now. Um, let me put it this way the word I would use to describe her voice is not soothing. That's not bad, yeah. though. Right, but I'm just right, saying right. a lot of vocal, you know, a lot of pop vocalists do like that's what you say. It's like, oh, it's a soothing voice, it's a nice voice, it's an accessible voice. I can listen to this wherever, whenever, on a sunshiny day or wherever in my car, and it's very laid back, but really good. Her voice is not soothing in that sense, but I love how full and how strong it is. Yeah, it's demanding for sure. Like it, it demands demanding. a listen. That's a, that's a great word to to to, to put to that. It's a demanding oh, voice. Uh, it's very unique. And I really love the charisma. It honestly reminds me of Peter Gabriel, of why I like Peter Gabriel. It's like, I don't hear Peter Gabriel and think, oh, yeah, everyone can listen to him and appreciate this voice. It's an accessible voice. No. Right, Peter right, Gabriel's right. voice is weird, but it's awesome. Right. It's yeah. very strong and charismatic. So, and, and like I said earlier, it, she's really showing all of her abilities on this record, and you can tell, in a good way. That's, I mean. Definitely. She, it's not a, a record where it's like, oh, you really only get this kind of, so that's why I, I totally disagree, just like you do, with that reviewer who is saying, uh, you know, it's there's no dynamics on the record. No what are you talking about? Like, voice. There's a lot of dynamics. musically, yeah, vocally. There's I think he was mainly dynamics. talking about the vocals. But, yeah, um, yeah, she, yeah, she does an incredible job. Um, and on the topic of just like female, um, you know, contributions to the group, the bass player is nutty is oh, really, yeah. really good, but it's, you know, it's not one of those things that like you're, it's a really quick fill. Like, I don't notice any parts in there where I'm like, oh, this is like a Getty Lee-esque fill where it's really cool, really quick, really fast. But no, man, she controls her bass with such precision. And I noticed that. Um, mm. And the way she manipulates it, like, crud, what, uh, Terror Bird, right? The beginning track, the, the, the weird, the, 
it's with this weird kind of effect she's making with her bass. She's commanding it so well. That's um, great. I did not notice that beforehand. What, on Terror Bird? Uh, I mean, I know the part, but I just the way that you're describing this, I've just, I've never noticed, I've never made that connection because I'm not a bass player. I, d- I wouldn't know. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's she, she just does a terrific job throughout the whole record. Um, and again, it's nothing that's like really in your face. There's some subtleties there that I'm like, wow, that's really locked in with the rest of the group and it serves the music perfectly. Like, yeah, there are a lot of really, and like, oh, also like, holy ghost, like how any of the players like oh my hit gosh. those beats. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, all of those, all of those staccato hits and everything. Yeah, all of that. yeah, it's cool. That's that was one of the things I really enjoyed about. It. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like it's like funky, and she's singing over it, dude. Honestly, side note here, that is one of the things that is so uh, impressive to me. You know, write write me a cool riff, great. Write me a cool riff and sing over it and make it sound good. That's even more impressive. That's that's crazy to me that was one of the things that like blew me away with like dave matthews stuff i'm like how is he singing yeah. over this yeah how are you singing over this and it's like over the bar line and it's just it's weird and it right. just doesn't feel right you know right. when it from a t- typical structure it's like oh yeah you sing on the beat or everything like dave matthews like slurs his words she's kind of like it's like this weird I don't know the way that it's placed and it just sort of like flows over it. It just doesn't, uh, I don't know. There's a certain characteristic to it that, that seems very interesting and unique to me. And so I really, really enjoy that because a lot of people can write really, really cool parts and they have like really cool instrumental sections, but you know, usually, I don't know, like I feel like sometimes what happens is that you get a very, you know, you got the arpeggio that's going on and the verse or whatever, and then it changes over to chords and then the breakdown of the bridge is where it gets all crazy and, you know, crazy and funky. And that's where all the weird stuff happens and stuff like that. But it's like, no, they're, they're doing the weird and crazy stuff and subtle, subtle, nothing too outlandish, but they're also singing on top of it. That's awesome to me. I love that. That's great. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, it's, uh, and like we were talking about earlier, the structures of these songs is really bizarre and like the forms of them and the compositions themselves and where they place things is really bizarre. But um, it doesn't feel slapped together either because sometimes they can come across that way. Yeah. Uh, this doesn't feel that way. The sections kind of flow together pretty well. Uh, in fact, some of the songs do too. Like they'll kind of drift into the next song. Yeah, they will. I think in, their, in the live, I mean, you saw the live show that, that we, there's a, yeah, there's, yeah. a, there's a YouTube video out there if you want to go find it. It's the entire album live. And yeah, uh, it, it, yeah it's great. And with video, yeah. And um and they do that like every single song just kind of kind of had like sort of a it just sort of floated into the next one sometimes uh, yeah and so yeah there's there's kind of that uh what's the word I'm thinking of here that seamlessness I don't know. yes thank you that's it uh yeah seamless like a seamless sort of uh cohesiveness there we go golly yeah. like a cohesiveness to the record so yeah. I really enjoy this song. Sorry, I was I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, I do too. It's really good. But um, you want to talk about the the uh, the three lyrical analysis yeah. that you have? Yeah, I really want I really want to hear these. 
So, like I said earlier, it's these lyrics are really bizarre. They're really bizarre on like all the songs that I saw that I was I was reading through all the lyrics and I was just they're they're crazy subjective. They're very subjective and symbolic. They're not clear cut. Um, it's honestly hard to find the main point of almost any song in the record, and yet the lyrics are super intriguing and have a certain sonorous quality to them. Uh, like I said, there are just some phrases on here that it's just. It's ineffable for me to describe why I like it, but I just like the sound of it. I just like the sound of them sometimes. Yeah. And I, I really love how language can be like that sometimes where just the perfect combination of words, even if it doesn't have like, it hits you on an elemental level where it's kind of hard to explain. And I'm sure everyone's had that, that, that experience with music who's listening to the show, right? In any genre. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes language can do that for me. Um, and th there are some moments on this record that I, I really enjoy the lyrics, even though it's kind of like thematically this, I don't get it, but I just really like this. <laughs> uh, but I tried my best for, for three songs. I did terror bird land animal and time deer. Oh, sweet. Okay. Um, so terror bird is candles, lighting windows, but the neighborhood is cold heartstrings, galvanized feelings. Every thought is a transient chemical. Crises come with machetes, harvesting the reactions, the moldy flavor of apathy, trying to find the words to say, to take the visceral pain away. Terror bird, please eat me out. I want to live with the murder. Limelight eases emotion, tiny bodies piling up, blinded by the cries for help. Can't feel it, I can't see it, I can't touch it. I am inanimate. Tiny bodies piling up, blinded by the cries for help. I can't feel, I can't feel. Bye, okay. This piece feels like a struggle. Okay, so yeah, that's not clear cut, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of ambiguity there, right? Um, I said by and large, this piece feels like a struggle to care or not care, to coexist with apathy and the swirling storm of emotions from the tragedies and injustices of our world. There's mention of apathy throughout the song, and it's described as a moldy flavor. As I said earlier. However, it's also something that the singer strives to maintain when she asks the terror bird to eat her out and that she wants to live with murder. And I don't know, I feel like I just have to get this out of the way because like when I think of eat me out, I always think of like the sexual act. Um, yeah. But I, I don't I don't think that's what it's meant to be. Here. Okay. Uh, I okay. Don't think, because I don't think I don't see anything else in here that is sexual in nature. Okay. Nothing in here and all the other lyrics, anything else contextual seems sexual to me in any way, shape or form. So I don't think it's that at all. Uh, I think it's more like she wants the terror bird, like this metaphorical creature to eat away all of the emotion in her soul so that she can no longer be burdened with negative thoughts as if the terror bird is starting in her heart or her soul and eating away these different parts of her soul inside and finally bursting out of her. This is weird. This is weird Got stuff. This is okay, just what no, I, I, no, but you, you're giving the imagery very well. I can. I'm. I'm picturing this, and yeah, you're, you're right. explaining it well. Eating away all of her emotions and all of her soul, so that she doesn't have to worry about all this. So that she doesn't have to worry about the injustices of the world and all that stuff. You know, the crises that are coming with machetes and all that stuff. So, um, I mean, you know, and to not, you know, there's a part in there where she says, "I want to live with the murder," and it's like, well, if you're not affected by murder, is really to not care about anything and that's what you're wanting right. apathetic you want, you want this absolute numbness right yeah. it's comfortably numb in a way i mean sorry you know just to incorporate it it's kind of a similar feel i get here right yeah it's uh, that phrase a, yeah here. uh 
she cynically refers to heartstrings and feelings as thoughts that are just transient chemicals, right? I mean, okay, which I thought was interesting. Um, and yet, so like through all of this, it's like, look, I want to be numb so that I can live with all this horrible stuff. Because that's the only way that I can cope with all of this is to maybe just not care about it. There's so many horrible things in the world. I just kind of want to live in apathy, right? The harvesting reactions, the moldy flavor of apathy. But then it's interesting that she's, you know, that's what she wants, but she realizes that it's a moldy flavor. That's how she's, but, but trying to find the words to say to take the visceral pain away. That's what I get. Uh, limelight eases emotion. I want to live with murder. Tiny bodies piling up, blinded by the cries for help. Can't feel, mm-hmm. I can't see, I can't touch it. It almost seems like that's what she wants is to yeah. not feel anything. However, however, there's a desire to feel something. And we can tell that just by how she's singing and her anguished cries later on when she's, I can't feel. And she's really getting into it. That's an emotional performance. The yeah. singer knows that there's something primal about feeling things. Yep. It's human. It's an right. animalistic created thing. that way. Yeah. Right. It's our biology. If you want to go back to what they were talking about, biology and technology. So this, to me, this brings us to two things about, about emotions. One, there's nothing we can do about it. Something that we will feel because it's something in our nature. It is instinctual. It is primal. Yep. Everybody has two. Them. It is good to feel things. It is yep. good to act on emotion. It helps us prioritize things. Otherwise, what's the point of sustaining the life? What is the point of survival? Right? So what is the terror bird? And like I said, I, I interpret it as a creature that is born from being petrified, absolutely horrified by certain crises of the world, as referred to in the song, crises with machetes. The terror bird comes to help us cope, quote unquote, with this horror by eating away the compassion and turmoil we experience and leaving only apathy in its wake so that we don't feel any more of this visceral pain that she refers to. So hmm. it's it's the, it's a dark song. This whole record's kind of dark. This whole record yeah. is really kind of dark. But again, there's that sense that she there's that recognition in the song as well that feeling is important because she seems to be in pain when she's saying she can't feel. She wants to feel. Yeah, right. There's a sense of anguish. She's screaming and belting these lyrics. So there's so much emotion in these lyrics, and yet she's saying she can't feel. So even if she can't, she desires to. Right. But exactly. So, I mean, yeah, to me, this definitely feels like a guttural, primal urge to relate, to react, and to know existence. Yeah, be in relationship. So um, I think it's a very creative commentary on the world that – a lot of times, yeah, simply wants to not feel because the pain or guilt or confusion is just too much to handle sometimes. I think they're kind of commenting on a lot of people like try to yeah. force themselves not to care. And yeah. well, think about it. I mean, depression is just depressed emotions. It's just depressing emotions. It's just when we don't deal with it, you depress well, it. I, I depress think there's it. a little bit more to it than that. But I, I, I mean, I see, I see what you're saying. Um, but that was my takeaway of Terror Bird. Hope you enjoyed my TED Talk. I'm about to go into round two. Holy crap. Uh, Destin, did you have anything to say? No, no, I, that was that was good. I, are all of these, I do have one question though. Are all of these lyrics accredited to Courtney? Good question. Good question. I don't or, know. Or was it, was the lyrics also written by multiple band members? This sounds too personal to be a multiple band member thing. 
And from the but, interviews, but yet it's so ambiguous that it could be right. I, I don't you, know. You from know, the interviews that I've seen with them, like on YouTube and reading stuff online, it seems that Courtney is the writer of the lyrics, but I, that's an assumption that I have. And that's no what I had factual. Well. Yeah. I don't have any proof of that, but yeah. Okay. We'll just, yeah, we'll look that up anyway. Carry on. And now we're going on to the title track. Land okay, animal. land animal. All right, cool. Um, it's, uh, I'm always at it every night, stoking the fire, yearning for flight. Truth be told, I'll soon be old. Top of the middle, I'm in the huddle. I'll drag my buddy through tiniest tunnels. It turns me on to soon be gone. I'm a, I'm a Cinda. I'm always at it, chasing the vermin, sealing the letters and kissing goodbye. Truth be told, I'll soon be old. Gathering kibble, scraps on the table. I'll drag my body through every fable. It turns me on to soon be gone. I'm a, I'm a senda. I'm a send out a message to my love. Sending out a message to my love. Sending out a message when I worry too much. Only thing that matters is not giving up. I'm sending out a message to my love. And then it repeats that stanza. Um, yeah. It comes back to, I'm always at it every night. Die cast memories strewn aside. Truth be told, I'll soon be old. Top of the middle, I'm in the huddle. I drag my body through tiniest tunnels. It turns me on to soon be gone. Hmm. This one was, I think, the one I wrote the most on. Really, there's a lot here. Um, to me, it seems like there are two moods in this piece. Uh, a dark, sardonic, masochistic perspective that longs for things to be over, maybe in the sense of death. And then another mood of hope and finding value in love. So the beginning is an expression of disdain, I think, for the monotony and dullness of being stuck in life the obnoxious stillness. Um, she's always working, right? I'm at, I'm always at it every night, stoking the fire, but then she wants something else. I'm yearning for flight, wanting to be away from this, whether it's, I have an actual goal towards something tangible or realistic, or rather that the goal is just to not be here because those are two kind of different things. Um, um, but they overlap. And then she right. says that she'll soon be old. Uh, making me think that she thinks it's only a matter of time before it's all over. And that's kind of what she's looking at. She's looking at, she's focusing on being, you know, I'll soon be old. I'll soon be over. I soon won't matter. Um, it's kind of a nihilistic tone, in my opinion. And all of this is kind of reinforced by the music behind it. Just kind of the rhythm, the vocal melodies and the tone of her voice. It's short and fragmented and her yeah. tone kind of rough and annoyed. It seems annoyed to me. I'm always at it every night yearning yeah stoking the fire and yearning for flight you know it seems kind of aggressive and annoyed like i said yeah um and the tone continues into the next verses with lines like you know top of the middle by the way what a great phrase i'm sorry that's one of the moments on the record that i i love which it's part just, it's just four words top of the middle that's huh. great to me <laughs> i i just really love that top of the middle i'm in the huddle I'll drag my body through tiniest tunnels. Um, you know, I think that perpetuates the idea that life can seem to be so ordinary and yet difficult at the same time. Like that's what's ordinary is that it is difficult <laughs> and that can be frustrating. It's, it's clear that the singer is unsatisfied with the state of her existence. Um, and, you know, she says it turns me on to soon be gone. She's happy that things will be over soon. She can't stand living in a world that doesn't seem to let her grow or push her forward to better things. Um, 
Um, is all this making sense, or am I? <laughs> I'm 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 figuring it out as I go as you as you're giving me or more information. But I'm I'm by the I'm, way the biggest thing that I'm more curious about right now is that like okay why is it called land animal? Right, right, right. Well, and I I think I write that down at the end. Okay. Um, but by the way, this is just my interpretation. Just so you know, this is not like this is how you should analyze these lyrics. This is what came to mind for me. That's right. how I related to these lyrics. Um, continues into the next stand is chasing the vermin. So she's chasing after such small things, lesser things, invaluable things, vermin, right? Yep. And she wants something more. I'll be completely honest. I'm not entirely sure what the line sealing the letters and kissing goodbye means. The first thing that comes to my mind is a suicide note. It's kind of dark. That would make sense to me. Kind of yeah. The whole turns me on to soon be gone mentality. Yep. It might mean something totally different, but that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, gather. And in the next lines are gathering kibble scraps at the table or scraps on the table. She thinks she's in the lower class, only getting the scraps, uh, you know, continuing the point that she's unhappy and unsatisfied and that she's chasing after something, but it seems like she'll never advance to where she wants to be. And who knows what that even is. She's just unhappy with where she is. Right. Um, it's a really I, good yeah. word to use right there, kibble. Yeah. It's a really good word Gathering to use right kibble. there. That flows really, really well. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, and what, like, ball, like it, dog food or something. Exactly. Yeah. And then it does a 180, to, to me at least, and the lyrics get a lot more hopeful. Sending out a message to my love, sending out a message when I worry too much. Only thing that matters is not giving up. Which, by the way, that's such an incredible, that's a pretty section. The way that she delivers oh, those lyrics. I totally stark, agree. Stark, stark contrast from what was currently happening. I know. And, and you have the, like, the, almost like the, ah, like in the background of it. You hear, you know what well, I'm talking yeah, about? Well, yeah. Yeah, you get this, like, an etheric sense. The music yes, builds to something very, very much so. ethereal. Um, yep. And I, I love that. Yeah, it just, it almost seems heavenly. Yep. And then the strings uh, come in. And that's, yeah, even, exactly. that's like open the and floodgates again, kind of thing. Might, yeah, exactly, 100%. exactly. So I sending out a message to my love. So it could be someone that the singer loves. And that was my first thought. But then I thought about it a little bit more. And I think it means, the more I thought about it, the more I think it's, it's this interpretation. Uh, that um, it's her literal feeling of love. Like the capacity to love something. She's sending out a message to her feeling love to my love my love used to be abundant my love used to be given my love used to be so much more in my life yep um maybe she's trying to find her ability to love again maybe she lost it a long time ago and now she's trying to connect with it again that's how i interpret it rather than another person though it could easily be a person um these are but, interesting like ideas to be writing songs about just, yeah. just as like a, that's I know that's a very general statement, but it's, it well it no is. totally. But again, very subjective, right? And right. this is how I interpreted it. I think these are very ambiguous lyrics. I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, she changes her mind about being turned. You know, turns me on to soon be gone, and it says she says, you know, like I said, the only thing that matters is not giving up. So those are two contradictory statements, right? Right. It turns me on to be gone. Yeah, and then like what? Don't give up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I, so this is a very hopeful section. It's a beautiful section. Like you said, it's an absolutely yeah, gorgeous section. Really, really great. Um, and like, you know, like I said, the music is a lot more majestic and hopeful. The strings swell and her vocals aren't as short or nervous or chaotic. It just gives a feeling of catharsis rather than nihilism like it does yep. earlier in the song. 
but it's weird because the lyrics at the end, the very last lyrics are pretty much a repetition of the early ones. So it kind of goes back to that. And yet when it builds up and she starts screaming, the music, yeah, I'm always at it every night. Um, I didn't know those were the same lyrics. I'll I had no old. idea. You know what I'm saying? Truth be told, they'll soon be old. Yep. Yeah, uh, I know and exactly what you're talking screaming about. It again. Top of the middle. I'm in the huddle. I drive my body through tiniest tunnels. Turns me on to soon be gone. Yeah. You know? Um, so, uh, yeah. So, again, kind of these dark lyrics come back, but the music is a complete juxtaposition of that. It's a completely opposite feeling i get right yeah I, it I, has like this almost like purifying sensibility right, it has to it yep. sense. absolutely um you know perhaps these lyrics have taken on a new meaning after her trying to connect and send a message to her love maybe things don't totally change after a revelation maybe circumstances are the same that's why they kind of put these lyrics in again but her attitude isn't as bitter i'm not sure those are just those are just my surface level thoughts as to why they would reincorporate or, you know, readdress these lyrics, bring them right. back because they're, they're dark lyrics. You know, I'm always at it every night. Truth be told, I'll soon be old. Top of the middle, I'm in the huddle. Turns me on to soon be gone. I drag my body through tiniest tunnels. Like these are anxiety uh, inducing lyrics. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. And, and so I, again, I'm just trying to think, I'm like, yeah, maybe they're trying to reinforce that just to say that, yeah, like you don't just suddenly like get to heaven or you don't uh, achieve nirvana as easily. And you don't like, even if you have that moment of catharsis, it's not like it's going to last forever, but so thing, th- things can still be bad and not great, but maybe with this new catharsis, you bring on a new perspective and to address the you know, not so great situation not that so, you're in. Right. Yeah. The, the situation know. or circumstances or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so that's something interesting to think about, but why the name land animal? I, yeah, I think Drew, just, why the name so, land animal? I think it's just supposed to reinforce the idea that life is difficult for us. And we're compared to animals because of our primal feelings and urges. And we're compared to animals because we're always trying to survive. I think that the first few stanzas and those kind of dark lyrics kind of reflect that, just that sense of survival in a sense. Um, sense of survival in a sense. Wow, that was the most redundant. Yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, I went with it and I was understanding what you're saying, but I wasn't going to say anything. I know I have flaws. Whoa. Uh, but life can, yeah, that's, yeah. But life can seem unfair and cruel like it is for a lot of animals. However, animals also find love and meaning outside of the malaise of life. I mean, I have, I have a second theory. Okay. Um, they needed an album title. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, oh. that's good though. That's good. Uh, I, uh, sorry. I found the key to my apartment and my, my pants. Oh, sorry. I have this now. My, my hands are still wet. I just came from the bathroom. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, you okay, got one I, more for us, right? Yes, I do. I've got right. Time Deer. Time um, Deer. Here we go. Every tree bursting, no phoenix, no net, no Greenpeace, no regret, just gravity. 
Blowing no flames, spitting out secrets. Thick noises outpower our voices. Oh, nasty dog, you're choking on a cog in my time machine. Drag you along to the times from which you run so you can see what I see. She kind of repeats that again. Yeah. She says, cracking away, syringes and blankets. Our poets are strangers and voiceless. In the ash, I found a bird, still as the lumpmen, sleeping in alleyways. Still as my gaze, as they're croaking for change. Let myself feel nothing and walk away. Piss-stained and crunchy, toothless and pungent. I'm sure he deserved it. Oh, nasty dog, you're choking on a cog in my time machine. Drag you along to the times from which you run so you can see what I see. And then she repeats that again. I was string-thin, barren and scrambling for food. My people exiled, subhuman and crude. They took my lover and library too. War left me vagrant with nothing to lose. If I could go back, one thing I would do, try to unravel, cut down, and unscrew the first double helix that links me to you. And then she says well, that's that. a good line. Oh, it's an excellent line. Um, double helix referring to is like the like DNA, right? Yeah, DNA strand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking. Um, the, yeah, and that's exactly what they meant. Um, yeah. yeah um, this one wasn't as long as my land animal analysis, but um, it seems like the singer's very jaded. <laughs> Again, that's kind of a common thing throughout all of the, a lot of the songs here. Oh um, you, wait, you, you're telling me that there's a lot of subjectiveness in these lyrics and that it's kind of jaded and maybe hard to understand or uh, well, j- jaded well j- that they're jaded that they're they're you know there's not a lot of positivity lyrically on the record i don't think so uh and that's okay um I, I just say did i just say satiated yeah does that even make any sense yeah I no think i mean does it make any sense i don't know satiate to kind of like be satisfied yeah but yeah i don't know i mean hold on i need to go like look up the actual definition of that just to make sure that i'm using that in the right word (laughs) anyway continue on that you were satisfied that you yeah something was addressed (laughs) yeah (laughs) sorry i'm just like i'm having to go on like a little english trip here no that's okay um but uh you know the 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 lyrics um I was strengthened, barren, and scrambling for food. My people exiled, subhuman and crude. They took my lover and library, too. War left me vagrant with nothing to lose. Some injustices were done to her at her home. And so she becomes jaded and learns that the world is cruel and unfair. And so she starts to become cruel and unfair herself by saying that the bird in the alley deserved to be decaying in its filth. Right, I'm sure he deserved okay. it. It's stained and toothless, or you know, it could have been the the Look. bird or the person. It's kind of confusing because she kind of jumps from the bird to the lump men. Right, in the ash, I found a bird, still as the lump men sleeping in alleyways. Okay, still okay. in my gaze, and maybe she, again, the bird is metaphorical for the men. Maybe she or, calls them birds because they had potential to fly, and now they don't. I don't know. What about flying the, used to be associated with freedom? What about a possibility of it referring to the terror bird? Is that it? I don't see a connection. No, that's just no connection. I think okay. I think they're separate. I think okay. they're separate. Um, uh, what was it? Sorry, I lost my place here. Um, but I, I think it's a comment on how the world can make people pessimistic and downright hopeless. Uh, the singer doesn't want anyone else to escape the harsh reality of the world that she sees. She's dragging them along to her reality. It's an interesting way to criticize those who have no perspective because they're able to retain their own time or their own world 
or escape to a different one. Uh, you know, you know, Greta, is she referring to older generations who refuse to understand the challenges faced by, by current and future generations? Who knows? That could definitely be a thing. I know that, you know, it's kind of a, a joke or people joke about it online, but there's obviously a grain of truth to a lot of jokes when people are like, okay, boomer, right? It's like, you don't, right. it's that whole, like, you don't get the whole millennial plight. And a lot of older people sometimes will say, oh, you're just complaining, blah, blah, blah. Like stuff was tough, but hey, it was tough when I was younger too. And I still got through it and I was still able to do this. Okay. Yeah. yeah different, different perspectives there. Yeah. Circumstances have changed. This is not the same world that you're in. And you, you know, you can't say that it is. A lot of different things have changed, not just technology, but you know, yeah, there's a variety of things. So yeah, my mom's gotten older. So uh, maybe what, <laughs> what? Yeah. I mean, yeah. A lot of things have changed. My mom's gotten older. Yeah. That's and unreal. Like, I'm sorry. That's, that's busted. That yeah. is busted. Like that's um, the one thing. That, <laughs> maybe that's the way yeah. the world's changed. Maybe it's easier to understand what we're familiar with. So we resist new ways of doing things or ignore new challenges faced by people growing up in different times. But, um, I, I will say, and I'm sure you feel this the same way too, that the lyrics are so great and such a vivid image. Oh, nasty dog. You're choking on a cog in my time machine. That was one of my Drag favorite you along lyrics, yeah. to the times from which you run. So you can see what I see. And I also love, like you just said, if I could go back, one thing I would do, try to unravel, cut down and unscrew the first double helix that links me to you. And that sounds it, like something it, Neil Peart would write. Like, I mean, at least to me. Lyric. Yeah, that's that a really, a, really good line. That is a golden lyric. That whole stanza. If I could yeah. go back, one thing I would do is try to unravel, cut down, and unscrew the first double helix that links me to you. You know that's what, too? And, and, and even, lyric. even going into, you know, the, the line or the, the stanza that we really enjoyed in Land Animal, it's the exact same type of thing in this song. It's during a section that's very minimalistic and very it's just guitar chords when she's singing that when she's singing yes. that line and yeah. so uh and it's always seems to be the sweetest and honestly kind of i don't know intellectual if, if to, say, to say well uh, and it makes the message cut so much deeper because that's a horrible thing to say to say if you're addressing someone and saying that that's right. a horrible thing to say to someone yeah exactly like you i seriously don't want to be anything like you in any capacity there is not a quality in you that is redeeming enough to me to even be one DNA strand related to that. And the fact that the music is so quiet and sober yep. makes that that much more, because because it's a state of reflection. It is not, I'm in the heat of the moment going to say something angry to you, uh -huh. which happens all the time. This is, no, I've thought about this. I've contemplated. I'm at a point where I feel comfortable and I, it, it gives the sense of serenity, yep. of and peace of like, yeah. I am confident in this and I'm, at peace with this decision I've arrived at with this, you know, um, attitude I've arrived at. Yeah. And, and it very well could have is, been an angry section. Like they very well could have done something exactly, like exactly. that because of the nature of what we know Courtney can no. already do on the record. Right. right. This is at a point of contemplation and I'm still saying something like this that yep. makes it that much worse. Um, yeah. And it makes it seem like people are, I mean, from the singer's perspective, it seems like people are horrible because of, or bad or whatever, because of the influence of previous generations. That's my interpretation. And I think to expound upon that just a little bit, if there is truth to that, 
then we have a responsibility to be a positive influence on future generations. Right. So that's obviously an obvious statement, but it's something that's reinforced very powerfully, I think, in these lyrics, at least for me and my interpretation of these lyrics. Um, that's what I think. To be completely honest, I didn't really get, except with maybe Holy Ghost, the whole thing they were talking about, the balance between technology and primal urges. Uh, and I didn't agree with that. Not agree, but I just had a different interpretation with that reviewer who was saying something about, um, here, I, I, I had it written down too. And he was he was talking about the Time Deer lyrics and the, oh, nasty dog, you're choking on talk. And he took it on a perspective of, um, oh yeah, technology. Like what they're talking about with technology here. Hold on. The band seems to be acutely aware of the odd coexistence between man and machine. Um, yeah, right. I don't see I don't see it that way. I love the whole you're choking on a cog in my time machine. Um, I, I, I do think that's related. I think the whole time machine plays a factor in it and a huge thing of like how you can discern between different time periods is the state of technology at certain periods of time. And that does affect generations. Yeah. How they, society of that generation. How yeah. they relate to each other you know, societal norms and abnormalities and all that stuff. Absolutely. But to me, it wasn't focusing so much on the technology or the technological part so much as it was the relational part. Right. And yes, of course, technology affects that. Yes. But I didn't see an incorporation of technology that much. That's not what came to my mind first. Right. No, it, it always came back to the relationship. And, and, and maybe that's just how my brain just always like goes to or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't see that on a lot of the lyrics in here. Um, except again, Holy ghost. She talks about how she's like swimming in a, in a laptop light, you know? Yep. And, and it seems like she's a writer in that, um, so the singer, not, and again, when I say singer I'm talking about the, the character that is singing the song. Right, because right. a character, because a singer, the actual vocalist of a group, assumes the role of whatever perspective you're displaying with your lyrics. It's not that you necessarily agree with everything that you're saying here. You might, you might not. Right. But I think when a a singer is, you know, when I say singer, I'm not talking about Courtney Swain. This is what she thinks. No, I'm talking about the character that is being put on display, that is being portrayed with these lyrics. Right. That yeah. is not always the same thing as the vocalist. Yeah. Perfect so, example of something like that, just to, for an outside reference, is uh, basically, not not everything, but a lot of Stephen Wilson stuff. He loves to write from right. first person of a character. He doesn't normally right, write exactly. from a third person perspective. Take, for instance, People Who Eat Darkness, or take, for instance... Uh, I don't, I don't know. Like I, don't, any, I don't... No, no, no. I don't eat darkness. And I don't whoa, think whoa, people whoa, do. Whoa. You whoa, can't, whoa. you can't, whoa. wait, Steven, Steven, whoa, you whoa, can't whoa, do, people whoa, don't eat, whoa. you can't eat it. Shoot. That's, people don't do that. Whoa. We're just talking about like a, you know, all this, all these jaded lyrics. And then we get just the most blunt thing possible. People when who it comes eat darkness. Yeah, yeah. People who eat darkness. But yeah, it's, it's always, not always, but a yeah, lot of the, times he references stuff like that. He uses characters and speaks in first person as a character. Right. But the we can't the, assume the, that this is autobiographical for Courtney Swain. No, 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 no. Of course not. Uh, um, uh, no, we can't, uh, Drew. No, no, no. I said no. Of course not. I know that. <laughs> Shoot, so aggressive. Um, yeah, Holy Ghost. It seems like she's like a writer, and that the singer is whoever the singer is. Uh, you know, that she's um, drinking, uh, you know, in laptop light messages and blessings from each part of my mind. Which also, a great lyric. 
messages and blessings from each part of my mind. When I'm writing fiction, I can shriek in real life, telling me to quit and feed it till the sunrise. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's yeah. that's the that's the part that comes after. Um, yeah, yeah. Just letting you know. Just letting you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah. There's a lot of way. Like, there's a there's a part in there. I'm uh, what does I say? Stomach stuff. Just those two words. I love that. Wait, where? Oh, Where's oh. that? Shoot, shoot. Oh, I love that new name. I love it. Oh, sorry. It's a always sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, yep. Reference. yep. Um, hold on. Let me, let me look this up. Uh, for those of you wanting to, uh, figure out how to use a computer, um, Holy crap. That'll, that'll search for, uh, you know, a sequence of words, right? I'll search for the order of words that you're typing in, right? Okay. So now that we're here, shoot. No, uh, it's in, um, it's in Holy Ghost. I was right. It's in, it's oh, in it is. Ghost. I ate something odd. No wonder why i twitch so much i am swimming in a muck full of stomach stuff man oh that's also the bridge that's yeah yeah yeah. that's also the bridge of that song dang man these lyrics coming in in these bridges are pretty uh, great just, yeah i i just i really love the the way they they use language this way that's just a, a, a really interesting phrase i'm swimming in a muck full of stomach stuff that's so <laughs> great that's you could have like, said stomach acid, stomach filth, stomach. Right. Like something know, a little bit more. Bile, I don't know. Whatever. No. Stomach stuff. That's so ambiguous and it just, that's so cool. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, no, I like that though. I do like that. And also the alliteration I'm a massive fan of. Yeah, whatever. No, I'm just going to say that. But all in all, that was your last review, right? That was the last one? That was my last review. That was great. That was, that was really fun. good. I, was, I appreciate you doing that, taking the time to do that. You're welcome. I, I hope really you good. enjoyed it. Um, there's a lot to these lyrics. If you guys want to dig into this, I mean, seriously, just go in, look up the lyrics. It's some interesting stuff. Yeah. So, Or you can look in this episode's description, become a patron, and then that will help us get to the point where we can record bonus episodes and maybe Drew can do a full lyrical analysis of Land Animal. Right. Or maybe you hated this and you were like, yeah, bonus episodes are cool, but don't, God, for the love of God, do not do this. <laughs> but all not, in all, uh, this is just a, I don't know, just a very ostentatious and jaded way of saying that people experience pain and suffering. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, yes. That's going to be my final line right there. Bye. Thanks, guys. God bless. All right. Well, we got one more thing we want to talk about before we end off this episode. Is that right? Do you want to talk about democratic writing for a little bit? Sure. I'll let you, you kind of take that? it though. Cause I've been talking for a while. Oh no, you're fine. I mean, that was kind of like your, I did ask you to do that. So, um, but that was, that was really, really great. I really enjoyed that. Um, but, uh, let me, let me read you a quote and we can springboard off of that. And, um, just could just sort of see where see where our mind goes with this. Uh, this is a this is a question that was asked in an interview to Courtney Swain of what is your writing process like? And so uh, now I've seen different things, different people say different things. Like when it comes to like how we've write, you know, how we write stuff. Like I saw a video of Ben Levin. So Ben Levin has a YouTube channel. He does a lot of uh, intriguing videos, but he also does a lot of like behind the scenes 
behind the scenes bit knee stuff. One of the videos that I found was like a writing process where they were like, where we composed a song that came off the re the most recent album called bone bone rage. Uh, and uh, they were talking about how they were like, had a jam session that they recorded and then they like sort of pieced it together and figured out a song from this. That was one thing I saw. Here's another thing that I saw as well that was said by Courtney. She says, so the way we write, someone brings in the demo, which is that various degree of completeness. And then we'll basically tear apart the parts that are inside the demo and put it back together. I think two things we really tried to do consistently is most of all the story of the song. So a lot of our songs are, well, they're not necessarily all biographical, but there are there's something going on in terms of the message and the flow of the song. So musically, we try to follow that. And this is, I know this is, that's, that's a very specific way of writing because some people I know do this. They'll write the music first and then put the lyrics on top of it. Right. You know what I mean? And this is where it's uh, this... Uh, I don't necessarily think that the lyrics are coming first, but there's this quote that actually Ben Levin uses a lot when he's talking about the relationship between the lyrics and the music. And uh, it's not a Ben Levin quote. It's uh, somebody else, but it says this. Lyrics make you think a thought. Music makes you feel a feeling. Songs make you feel thoughts. Huh. I thought that's a that's a pretty brilliant line. Yeah, I like that. Um, because it that's yeah, it makes sense to me. And so, um, but uh, anyway, continuing on to what she was saying, uh, da, 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 where I might, where's my place at? We try not to do things that are just for show or that, that don't really fit the song per se. So we're really careful about that. And a lot of our parts are really restrained musically or technically. It's just more about us as six of us, as opposed to as, as individuals. And I think that the other thing we do is that we really that we toured really hard over the over the last couple of years and in a lot of varying degrees of song situations. So we've played in places where there's just one speaker and we're doing our own sound. And then there's four channels to a night like tonight where the sound guy really knows what he's doing and everybody is happy with the sound. But one thing that people have told us that one thing we try to do is that we sound good in any situation because basically we're carving out spaces for everyone's instruments to fit into our own mix so no one really needs to go and ride that instrument now we're listening to this person now we're listening to this person so our arrangements by default have that so you could hear what you need to hear in every moment those are the big two things we do in the writing and so and i that's so um when it comes to like a that that sort of democratic writing it's very collective and ha people have their parts but they have this almost kind of revolving door of like okay let's put this here let's put this here but like how does this fit and it's it's like a dance with with the rest of the musicians and the band to create something where it all it all fits and not necessarily the most technical thing you know, like they're saying, like really restrained musically. It's like we could be all doing something ridiculous, but we've decided to do what fits for the for. I mean, obviously, fits is very subjective to the band members what they think works best. But um, that's something that uh, we have done, Drew. Is that writing in the musical sense? 
Uh, and I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts on this are, but I think it's just it creates a different atmosphere of writing, and also just has a lot more creativity, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. it's more about the individuals working together rather than one individual or two individuals sort of taking the reins and everybody else is just sort of following behind. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can, you can taste all the, all the flavors that there are in, in the yeah. group when you're all kind of working together uh, to make something. And that, something that you're all happy with and then you can be like, this is us. This is not just this person and this person, this person right here, which is cool. And that, that, you know, nothing against that. But it's really cool when you can be like, yeah, we all really enjoy every single aspect of this song right here. And, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, most definitely. Most so definitely. It, 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 yeah. Again, it gives that statement of this is us because we all like it. We all contributed and we all agreed that this is what it should be. This is yeah. us. Yeah. New and season it- of this is us coming. To- <laughs> Holy crap. Plug. Wow. That's not happening. Never anyway. seen that show. Me neither. Ever. Me neither. So, but wow. um, is there anything else you'd like to say? And I just wanted to put throw that quote out there and just make, make a comment about that sort of democratic writing process. Oh, absolutely. I enjoy uh, it. That's, absolutely. I prefer that to, you know, one person writing the music and the other band comes in and they just sort of maybe add their, you know, whatever. I mean, sometimes, you know, they'll add their little licks or whatever, but there's just a, there's something different. It feels different to me about when the writer is the one performing it and the writer of each individual part is the one that's performing that part and not just bringing on a bunch of, you know, one person and then you bring on a bunch of live musicians. There's a different feel. There's a different feel there, at least to me. I don't know about anybody else, but yeah, there just seems to be a bit more character to it, you know. Yeah, and 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 unity, and then that there's an identity in a band. You know what I right. mean? Right. That's the whole than, point of being in a band, like right. In in this sense, where it's like, I mean, yeah, it's cool to have a bunch of guest musicians on and like see, whoa, that guy's just a great player. That guy's just great. But it's like, but it's it. Like I said, there's an identity in a band where it's like. This, and that's why people get so upset when like someone leaves a band. It's like, well, because I, like, it's different. It's yep. not the same person. It's not the Something same anymore. Something has changed. And, you know, change is, uh, Don Draper changes even, neither good changes nor either bad. good nor bad. Yeah. God yeah. Bless. Um, but it, it, it's true. I mean, sometimes you got to like, just go on. Be like, it's changed. It is what it is. But I understand why people get upset. It's because you guys had an identity as this group of people. And you had a character as this group of people, you know, and that's gone. So it is different. So it has changed. So it is something different. And you might not be able to relate to it the same way that you used to. And so anyways, that's that's all I'm trying to say is that when you kind of have that feeling of these members are together, they're unified, they take on something that's not just a bunch of individuals together, they take on insert your band name here right yep they are pink floyd they are rush they are that's the identity yeah so they become more than the sum of their parts if that makes any sense yeah no that's great that's a great way of saying that i like that a lot i like that a lot got any final thoughts 
I don't. We've been going on for a while here. Sorry, yeah, but the lyrical analysis went on for a while. Sorry. No, it's okay. I mean, we usually try to keep it around an hour and 30, so we're at an hour and 36 right now. But uh, guys, check out this record. Check out this uh, Check out this album if you've never heard it before. Uh, New Prague, obviously, and hopefully you've enjoyed our take on it. So we would we would like to thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast. These are our prog notes for Bentonese Land Animal. If you enjoyed this episode, learn something new from this episode, please subscribe to us. Conversation doesn't have to stop here. In this episode's description, you can join our Discord server, which is just a, uh, a chat server. It's an application. It's just a chat server where we have all kinds of different prog rock fans from all over the world and we just have fun we talk prog we hang out we chat it's it's a blast it's a ton of fun come join us it's free there's no cost to it whatever you can also follow us on instagram and or facebook and if you enjoy our content enough and would like to support our show in exchange for some great benefits i think we briefly talked uh, a moment you can vote on different aspects of the episodes you can get our episodes a week early and you can also be helping us personally to advance this show so we can start doing more things for you guys please consider visiting our patreon page once again all these links are in this episode's description but drew why don't we go ahead and tell everybody what the next record is that we are checking out on the show the next record that we're gonna do is blackwater park by opeth Blackwater park by morpeth Sorry, that's a Discord joke. I'd had to throw that in there. It was really a fan favorite thing. Mm. So it's going to be an interesting record. That's for sure. Mm. Our patrons voted this, and they have been literally campaigning. Hounding. Hounding. I'm looking at you, Stalk. I'm looking right at you. And so we're going to check out. This is going to be the first uh, Opeth record that we've done on the show and the introduction of Opeth. So I'm pretty excited. So join us next time as we discover the past, present, and future of Prog Rock. We will see you guys on Discord. Thanks.